Hadassah, and I'm so excited to welcome you to Real Woman, Real Torah, a project of Bacheva Learning Center. We're here to offer you an authentic Torah learning experience, produced for women, by women. I hope you enjoy. If you'd like to follow along inside the text, you can find a fully vowelized PDF of the DAF at www.batshevalearningcenter.com slash DAF. Hi, everyone, and welcome to DAF Yud Aleph, Masech Saita. A lot more Agadita going on here. Here, a lot of stuff to do with um, uh, the whole story of Golos Mitzrayim. Um, yeah, Devorah, get started. <laughs> All right. So we'll actually pick up right in the bottom of Yud Ahmed Bey's where we left off last time. Um, we're actually going to finish up the story of Avshalom and then segue into the story of Miriam and by extension, Yitzhak Mitzrayim. So right now um, we are on Vayirgaz Hamelech. So it's one, two, three, four, five, six lines from the bottom of Yud Amad Bez, the last two words on the line. <clears throat> so we're going to quote a Pasuk um, from Malachim, and we it's about David HaMelech. David HaMelech has just heard the news that his son, Avshalom, was killed by his general, Yoav, for his rebellion. Um, and David HaMelech had given explicit instructions to Yoav not to kill his son, rather to kill the other men on his side but to, and to capture his son, but to leave him alive. And now the king has found out that his instructions were not obeyed and his own child was killed. So it says, it says the king trembled greatly. He went up to the gate and he cried bitterly and this is what he said when he walked he says my son my son my son if only I had died instead of you right so it says the um it says that the king covered his face, right? David Amal covered his face, and he just cried out in a gr- in a very loud voice um, because of his his pain. Now the Gemara analyzes Pesach, and he said it points out that it says "Bni Avshalom Avshalom Bni Bni Hani Tamanya," right? So it mentions Avshalom or the word "Bni" eight times. Right, so why does uh, why does uh, what's the significance of David Hamelach crying out eight times? Shiva de'aske me Shiva madura gehanom. So it says that seven of them were to lift Avshalom out of the seven levels of gehanom. The Eidach and what was with the eighth time? Ika de'amri de'karv reishe legabegufe. One of them was to bring his head closer to his body, right? Because uh, in the process of killing him, Yoav had chopped off his head. So this last one connected his head to his body. That this last Bini brought up Shalom into Olam Haba. Hey, we're going to analyze one more passage like, uh, regarding Shalom. It says, Shalom, Shalom Lakach, right? It says that Shalom during his lifetime had. Um, Establish a monument in his lifetime. And it says that he did this because he did not have any children. That's what the Pusik says. And therefore, he did this monument to sort of be 
a remembrance, you know, of his legacy. So the Gemara picks on the word Bashalom Laka. Bashalom took. So my Laka, what did he take? Right? It says it says over there that he established this monument. So why does it use the word Laka? Amarish Lakish. Rish Lakish says, Salakah Mekah Rala Asmo. He made a bad decision. He got a bad deal for himself. Right? Because through this, this was kind of, you know, kind of symbolized his um his sort of arrogance, right? That this was the start of his downfall. Then he says, um, He established this monument in the valley of the king. This could be interpreted as referring to the secret plan, right, of the king of the universe. Meaning, this whole rebellion of Avshalom was really because uh, directed by some divine plan. What was it? So we're going on to the next page. Daphid Aleph. Dechsev. He didn't make him alacha rami besacha. Shem tells David after the sin with Bathsheba, um, I am going to incite uh, evil or fighting against you from within your own house. Right? And so this rebellion of Shalom was a pretty predestined decree on David Gemara is now going to quote a similar example where the word Amek, valley, refers not just to a physical valley, but also to some deep hidden plan of Hashem. So a similar matter, at Omer, we say, So this is Yosef Hatzadik, right? So Yosef Hatzadik is sent by Yaakov Vinu to his brothers, and it says he was he sent him from the valley of Hebron. Amar Chenina Bar Papa, Chenina Bar Papa says, the Eitza Amuga shall also tzadik should cover Bechevron. This was uh, done, the sending of Yosef to his brothers, which ultimately led to his like slavery, was because of this secret predestined plan of that was told to the tzadik that's buried in Hebron. Who is that? That's Avram Havinu. Dechsev Yodua Teida Kigeri Yezaracha. Avram Havinu was already told that his children would be strangers. Uh, and ultimately enslaved in Eretz Mitzrayim. And because of that, that's why, that's what led to, really led to Yosef being sent to his brothers and ultimately brought to Mitzrayim. Ki Amr Ein Liban. Okay, so now we're going to return back to the Pasuk regarding Avshalom. So it says that Avshalom made this monument, right, in the King's Valley. Why? Ki Amr Ein Liban. Right, it says that he didn't have any children and he wanted a remembrance of himself. So the Gemara asks, "Velo havalei banai? Did is it true? Is this really true that Avshalom didn't have any children?" V'haksiv v'yelidu laAvshalom shlosha banai muvas achas. It says that Avshalom, the pasuk itself says earlier on that Avshalom had three sons and one daughter. Amar Yitzchak Bar Avdimi. So Yitzchak Bar Avdimi explains, "Shelo hayalo ban hagulam achas." What it means is that he didn't have a son that was fit to be king, uh, and so. That's what that's what Avshalom meant by saying he didn't have any any descendants. Rav Chista Amar, Rav Chista said, "Gemiri, we have a tradition. Call Hasorif to Asay Shalchaberai, Ena Beniach Ben Liarshay. Whoever burns the produce of his colleague, um, that we know there's a tradition that he'll be punished by not having a descendant left to inherit him. But Ihu and he Avshalom." Um, Klaya the Yoav. He burnt the produce of Yoav. Dechsev. The pasuk says, "Vayomer el Avada, Ruuchel kas Yoav el Yadi, 
right? It says that Avshalom, um, without getting into too many details, the context of this is that uh, Avshalom, you know, gets into a fight with his father. He wants Yoab to uh, reconcile the two and Yoab doesn't listen to him. And because Avshalom gets impatient and wants to sort of get Yoab's inten- attention, he tells his servants to burn Yoab's field, uh, which actually ends up working <laughs> with an effective method of getting Yoab's attention. But, right, he was punished for this um, this damage to Yoab's property um, by his children not inheriting him. The Mepharshim are split of exactly what this means. Either it means that they died in his lifetime or it means that he knew that they would die in his lifetime. So Avshalom was kind of preempting the punishment by saying, you know, my children are alive right now, but later on they're going to die. So I want to make sure that they, you know, I want to have this monument. Um, either way, this is the reason. Okay, so now we just finished the ha- section of the Mishnah, which talked about the negative aspect of a person being dealt with, measure for measure, right, with the stories of Shimshon and Shalom. Then the Mishnah had said, this same principle is true in the positive, the Chayim Indian Hatova, right? Uh, a person is also rewarded um, in commensurate with the way that they act. And the example we're going to give is Miriam. So it says Miriam waited, right, for Moshe. He, she waited on the riverbank to see what would happen to Moshe. And in return, the Jewish people in the desert waited uh, for her to be healed from Saras before continuing to travel. Gemara asks, me, Dami Hassam, is it really, are these really similar? Is the action that Miriam did and her reward really comparable? Hassam Chadashaita, Hacha here, right, when, when Miriam waited for Moshe, that was just one one hour, one, you know, short measure of time. Over there in the desert, the Jewish people waited for seven days before traveling. Amar So Abaya said, really what you should say is that in the positive sense, it's not like the negative sense, right? When a person is rewarded, they aren't uh, given exactly, you know, what they what they might have deserved, they're actually given more. Amrle Rava, Hava Adoba Katani. So Rava says, uh, okay, that's very nice, but the at the end of the day, the Mishnah says, and so too for the positive, meaning the positive is indeed similar to what happens in the negative. Uh, so Rabbi says this is what this is what the Mishnah means to say. The chain le'inyan hatova debeosa mida, right? When it says the chain le'inyan hatova, it means in the same mida, the same type of punishment. The quality of reward is the same as the quality of the action that was taken, but uh, the quantity of reward is different. Ula mida tova mida but certainly the the mida. Uh, the reward for something positive, for a good deed, is much more, uh, much greater than that for the negative. Now we're going to zoom in a bit on the uh, story, on the psukim, which detail Miriam uh, waiting for Moshe on the riverbank. Pesach says, right? It says that his sister, Moshe's sister, Miriam, stood from afar. 
This entire Pasuk is really referencing the Shrina. It's a really fascinating metaphor. How this waiting, Miriam waiting for Moshe really is a metaphor for our relationship with Hashem. Shanamar Vatisasev says that she stood right on the riverbank. Right, it says that Hashem came and stood. This is the context of this pasuk is when Hashem came to Shmuel Hanavi. Right, the Shechina came and stood behind him. Achoso, right, says Achaisa, his sister. Dechsev Amar Lachakma Achaisiyad. It says um, in Mishlei, right, tell tell wisdom you are my sister. Right, the the pasuk there is referencing the Shechina as well, referencing the Shechina as as uh, a sister. Meirachik, the word meirachik, tersev, meirachik, meirachik, Hashem nearly, right? It says uh, Hashem is known from is it, like appears to me from the distance, right? Pesach Rishiyo, ladas, um, to know, tersev ki kel deus Hashem, right? It says Hashem is a god of of knowledge. Ma, the word ma, tersev ma Hashem lekach Hashem meimach. It says what does Hashem uh? Desire from you, um, Yasa. The word Yasa, Dechsev Kilo Yasa Hashem Elokim Davar. Um. So it says that you know a person won't, you know, do anything uh, without the, the end of the passage says without revealing it to his nebiim. Um. Lo Dechsev. The word Lie Dechsev VaYikra Hashem. Hashem Shalim. The Hashem said to him, the the angel of Hashem really said to him, uh, you know, gave greeting, gave him peace, right? Gave him greetings. Right. So this the just to tie this all together, right? The Pasuk uh, regarding Miriam, which was right, her sister stood from afar to see what would be done with him. We just showed how each of those um each of those words refer to uh, Hashem uh, can be referenced to the Shechina. Just, just to jump in here, because I mean, the Gemara explains sort of associatively how each word is associated with the Shechina in some way, but just a little bit more of like an explanation of what the, the analogy is here. So there's a lot of explanations given, but just two short ideas. The, so the Maharsha says um, what, this, what this really means is a, a chaisai, right? Like the sister standing and watching, that's referring to the Shechina because the Shechina is like sort of our, our sister is like standing with us in Gullus, right? Is like sort of um, accompanying us while the Jewish people were in Mitzrayim. Um, and then there's this really beautiful idea from the Kedushas Levi, where he explains this whole this whole pasuk, and he says um, that that a person should always stand from a distance, um, and they should their their should be from a distance. Meaning achaisim means to be connected to something, right? Like, um, yeah, like the word ichoy means like connection, right? So. And in the because says this is referring to connection to physicality. So you should stand at a distance. Like your your involvement in physicality should be at a distance. And if you do that, then um, uh, uh, oh, the das. Um, what's the continuation of the pasuk? The das ma yasale. Das ma right? Okay. So he says so. 
and so if you if you um, put your involvement in physicality or your connection to physicality at a distance, then ladas, then you'll have this this knowledge, this intimate relationship with ma. What's ma? Ma refers to the 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 ma literally means what, but it refers to to the 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 ayin, right? The the energy, which is sort of a reference in like Kabbalah and to the energy that Hashem. Um, uses to create the world, right? Like the world is Yeshmi Ayan, and this Ayan is like almost this force that Hashem, um, the energy that Hashem invests in, in the creation of the world. So he says, if you like distance yourself from your from your physical um, and, um, involvement in the world, then you'll be able to know this Ma, right? This um, you'll be able to have this a relationship with something that's that's beyond this godly energy that's beyond the world. Anyway, so that's his like metaphoric explanation of this whole pasuk, based on this Gemara, that it's all a reference to the Shekhinah, meaning it's all about our relationship with the Shem, right? And how we can get closer to the Shekhinah. Exactly. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, that definitely uh, (laughs) gives more insight into this, I guess, seemingly technical, right? Or kind of almost accidental uh, connection. Association, yeah, exactly. Association. Okay, so uh, now we're going to kind of take a little detour. Um, into a series of midrashim regarding Yitzhiya Mitzrayim in general, right? Start off with Miriam, now we're going to broaden the pool of Agata here, and we're going to go through different Agatas related to uh, Yitzhiya Mitzrayim in general. So uh, we have a Pasuk in Parsha Shemais, which says, A new king arose, right? And the Pasuk goes on to say, this new king, you know, did not know Yosef, Right, and he started to enslave the Jewish people. Ultimately, Rabbi Shmuel. So we have a disagreement between Rabbi Shmuel, rather famous disagreement. Chad Amar Chadash Mamish. One says it was literally a new king, right? A new king. You know, the old one died or something, and there's a new, literal new king here. Chad Amar Shinis Chad said one said the person it had changed, but his attitude changed, right? His his decrees changed. Man Amar Chadash Mamish. So the one who says he was really a new king, well, that's a sort of easy opinion to explain. It literally says, a new king. So what's the rationale for the opinion which says that his, just merely his decrees changed? So to look thin by Yamas by normally in Tanakh, when one king dies and another takes over, it says explicitly, right, this king dies and the next king rules, but it doesn't do that. Right. So that sort of might be taken to imply that this wasn't really an entirely new individual. Okay, so let's continue our analysis of this Pasuk. So Vayaka Malchadash, a new king arises. Asher lo yada es Yosef. So it says this new king did not know Yosef. So, right. So according to this opinion, which says that it was not really a new king, so was it me? He didn't know Yosef. Of course he knew Yosef, right? So Dehava Demi command right? So he kind of made as if, right? He so as if he didn't know him at all, right? He did not, um, even if though he literally did, right? He did in in fact know him. He uh, sort of had selective memory loss, if you will, uh, and no longer behaved as though he. Uh, maintain that relationship with the Jewish people. Bayomer el Amai, Hine Amai Nasser. 
gonna cut in here again quickly. Um, so this this disagreement between Rav and Shmuel. So there's like a really interesting sicha which actually analyzes um, sort of what's like the common thread in general between the disagreements between Rav and Shmuel. Because we'll, I think there's a few even more on this stuff, right? Um, and in general, all over Gemara, there's tons of disagreements with Rav and Shmuel about how we interpret things. Uh, um, so what's like sort of the general or general approach, right? So so one idea is that the, in general, Rav Rav's approach in general is to learn like the wording. Right to like kind of take the to make it fit with the actual words in a more literal way, right? As we see here, um, while Shmuel is more about the content, right? Like, does it fit with the content, with the idea, right? Um, and based on the general context of the story. Mm, so Rob was like, well, it said Kharash, so Kharash means Kharash. He's more like literalist, where Shmuel is like, well, yeah, but look at the broader picture. It never it says another king came. So exactly, that, exactly. Yeah. So it doesn't, it doesn't make sense logically, right? Um, but then on, on a, a little bit of like a a deeper level, another idea is that we see in, in a, um, somewhere else in the Gemara, it says that in general, we always poskin like Rav for issues of Isr Beheter, right? Like more, um, um, you know, issues of halacha that are not about, um, you know, monetary law, but it's just, you know, ritual law, I guess. Um, while Shmuel, we always poskin for Mubanis, right? Like any sort of civil law, we poskin according to Shmuel. Um, so we see that in general, Rav, we sort of trust Rav. We almost had this assumption. I mean, obviously, they both, you know, were involved in all areas of halacha, but Rav was more involved in Isra Hetter, which is in general um, areas of halacha that are bit Adam Lamakim, like the way we relate to Hashem, while Shmuel um, was more involved in in halacha that had to do with bin Adam Lachavere, right? The way we relate to other people. Um, so, we, so we also see that in any of our disagreements, whenever there's an issue that has to do with both, like something which could, you could see it both ways, you could see it as the, it being a, an issue between us and Hashem and also between us and another person, right? So we'll see that Rob is always going to sort of see it in terms of like what's what aspect of this is bin Adam Lachavere, while Shmuel's always going to see as what aspect of this is bin Adam Lachavere, which is why here Rob says, oh no, it's literally a, a new king, right? Because Rav is saying that, meaning if it's the same king, but that king sort of betrayed, like that same king knew Yosef, he knew all the good things that he had done for the country, and yet he betrayed him, right? Then that's sort of much more an issue of Ben Adam Lechaveri. It's more an issue of like not, you know, repaying back the good that he received, right? It's like a personal betrayal against, 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 you know, a friend, right? That he, that he had, the Jewish people. Um, so that's, that, that's what Shmuel says, right? Shmuel sees it more as Madame Lachavere. But Rob says, no, it's literally a new king. And if it's literally a new king, then it's less of a betrayal against the people. And it's more of a rebellion against Hashem, right? Um, and that he's, you know, not, not doing the right thing, but it's, it's, it less has, has less to do with the Madame Lachavere dimension of it, um, which is Rob's general, approach um in general to see it more as an issue of bandam bandam so anyway that's just like a general a general perspective and we'll see if maybe we can find a way to fit it in with all the other disagreements uh, that will come up but um it's really interesting i feel like it's so good you're saying that now so when we encounter robin shmuel in the future we can come back to that and see yeah how come it, back, see how it fits how it might fit back into that framework yeah so that seems like it's a bunch of examples um but obviously not every example all over shots so i guess yeah you know, something to keep in mind as we see those, the, the disagreements come up, you know? Okay, great. That's, that's a great challenge. Sometimes yeah. <laughs> a goddess, I can get kind of, you know, there's a lot of different, you know, little snippets, right? So it's a, I feel like it's a good way to get us to really concentrate here and really try to, you know, focus on okay. how this fits together yeah. in a larger picture. Um, so yeah, that's, that's really like flows so beautifully with the Gemara, right? It says Sher lo yada es Yosef, dehava demi kamandalo yada leklal, right? Shmuel sees the primary 
I guess, fault, right? Or this in 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 Para here to be someone who turned his back, right, on someone he knew, right? He turned his back on Yosef and his uh, his people um, who had done so much for him. <laughs> Okay, so moving on in our uh, analysis of the Pesukim. So it says that this new king, whatever that means, Bayamara Ame, he says to his people, Hide Abane Israel. Um, right? He says, Oh, look at this Jewish people. You know, we need to do something about them. So Tana, we're taught, who He started first by, you know, giving the advice to enslave the Jewish people. Therefore, he was struck and punished first. As it says, Maisha tells Parai, right, you'll be struck, the plague will, will strike you, your nation, and all of your servants, right? So Parai is the first one that's mentioned. All right, so Parai continues and says, let us now outsmart him, right? Let's outsmart the Jewish people and, you know, come up with a plan to destroy them. So the Gemara says, lahem mi bayalai. It should have said lahem, the plural. Let's outsmart them. Why does it use the word lay him in the singular? Amar of Chama Barabi Chanina. So Chama Barganina said, bay benechkam lumashian shal Yisrael. They didn't want to outsmart the Jewish people. They want to outsmart God. They want to outsmart the Savior of Israel. So he says, bimani dona, midana ba'ish. So it says, mm, what, are, what are they, um, what are they judged with, right? They're judged with fire. Sorry. With what is, does Hashem usually, uh, you know, judge those who need to be punished with fire, right? Um, oh, I just lost my spot. It says Hashem will come in a, you know, flaming fire. Hashem judges with fire. Same thing with the sword. Right, it says that, uh, you know, Hashem will come with his sword against humanity. Let us go and judge them with, and, you know, try to uh, hurt them, harm them with fire. Because here, God is stuck. He already promised that he's not going to bring a flood upon the earth. Right, Hashem says after the Mabel, these are waters of peace to me, right? Meaning Hashem, and he makes a promise that he's no longer going to flood the world. All right, so they said, aha, we got it. We found the perfect way because they were aware, right? As we've been discussing of Hashem's, uh, you know, this principle that Hashem punishes measure for measure, they figured if they get them with water, there's no way they can be punished back with water. They didn't realize, they weren't really thinking clearly. They thought, they didn't realize that when Hashem said he wasn't going to flood the world, that was only with regard to flooding the entire world at once. But Regarding one nation, Hashem could still flood one nation. Inami, alternatively, who Perhaps Hashem wouldn't come and flood the land, but they could still fall inside the water, which is in fact what happens, right? Right, the Mitzrim, like are running, ended up running straight into the sea, which then uh, washed over them and drowned them. This is what Rilad said. 
right? It says in the matter with which they uh, plotted, right? It's at least that actually yesterday, right? Tell, um, you know, Misha, when he hears the news that the Jewish people were redeemed from Egypt, he says, oh, what a beautiful thing. Like Hashem punishes the mission with the same exact thing that they plotted to do. Um, so Erebelezer is focusing on the word Zadu, right, which can mean to plot, but it could also mean Bikterish Abishli. The word Zad uh, could mean, right, it's, it's, it can mean an expression of cooking, right? In the same pot that they cooked, Nisbasu, they were cooked themselves. My Mashma Dahai Zadu Lishna Right, what's the meaning of this word Zadu? It's the Lashon of cooking in a pot. Right, it says that back in Persia's, um, the Persia with Yaakov and Asa, right, it says that. Uh, Yaakov cooked uh, a stew, right? The lentil stew. Amar of Chiyabar Abba, Amar of Simai. So Chiyabar Abba says in the name of Rab Simai. So this teaching is going to take us back to the scene of Pare in the palace, right? Uh, making this plan, right? Plotting how to destroy the Jewish people. And he says, There were three men, three advisors who were there at the time listening. Bilam, the Eiv, the Yisrael. Right? So these three famous characters were all there. Bilam, Shayat's Narag. Bilam, who gave advice, was killed. Right? He's ultimately killed much later on after he curses the Jewish people. Right? He's killed in battle when the Jewish people battle Midian. Eov, who is silent, was punished with great suffering, as is famous in the book of Eov. Yisrael, who fled, right, he fled the scene um, and refused to support, right, such a plan. He merited that his descendants would sit in the Lishkas Hagazis Right, the chamber of, of hewn stone. This was the chamber in the base of Nikdash where the Sanhedrin sat. So his descendants were great uh, on the Sanhedrin. Shanamar, as it says, Right, so, so there was this family of scribes who had settled in the cities of Yabetz and Teresim and Shmatim and Sukhaisim. And they um, they were Canaanites, right? They were descendants of Cani, who had come from the, the house of Rechem. And we know that, uh, we know what? We know that the Cani is the same person as Yisrael, because we're told that the sons of Cani, who was the father-in-law of Misha. So, that's how we, through some deductive reasoning, if Cani is Yisrael, then Yisrael's descendants end up in uh, being in the in the Sanhedrin. Okay, so returning to uh, Para's speech, Para's grand plan against the Jewish people, it says Vanilcham Banu Ba'alaman Art. So uh, Para says, it, "This is crazy." There's this people they're multiplying so fast they're going to make war with us and the Allah and Haaretz rise up from the land they're going to leave the land so the Gemara says really what it seems that Par is trying to say is that they're going to fight with us and we're going to have to leave the land they're going to drive us out of the land as you say and he's going to leave the land 
So Amar of Abba Barkahana. So Abba Barkahana says, It's a, sort of a an expression, a way of ta- a euphemism, where uh, instead of a person cursing themselves, they attribute that curse to another. So um, Pari is using euphemistic language by saying he, right? The Jewish people will, will leave the land, but he really means to say that he's afraid that Egyptians, the native Egyptians, will be driven out of Egypt. Basimu Alef Sari Masim says that he placed upon them um, taskmasters. So it should have said that Pari placed on them, on the Jewish people, taskmasters. Tana de Rabbi Lazar Rabbi Shimon, Lazar Rabbi Shimon. It says they, they took a brick and Pari hung this brick around his neck. Uh, and he publicly, you know, joined in the labor. So any Jew which said, I'm too delicate to do hard labor, they said to him, are you more delicate uh, than Pari himself? You don't have any excuse. Sorry, Masim. Dabar Shemesim Luman Anuso Basilisa. Right, it says that uh, they place upon them taskmasters um, in order to afflict them, right? Inflict him in their, uh, in their toil. Laman Anusai, so does it mean Anusai? So that word Anusai is in is in singular. Lepare, that's referring to Pare, who was afflicted himself or like made himself look like he was he was working, right? In order to kind of uh, manipulate uh, the Jewish people into joining. But Sivlaisam, right? And then it says the Sivlaisam in plural, their toil, Disrao, the Jewish people. But even Ari miskanized Lepare, so it says that they built storehouses for Pare. So here we have another disagreement of Rabbi Shmuel. So listen very closely. So Rabbi Shmuel, Chad Amar So one says that they endanger um, their owners, right? What does that mean? That they. Um, so Rashi says, what does it mean endanger their owners? Because through building these cities, the Mitzrim got endangered. Because by doing this, the mission were later punished, and then they had to they drowned in the sea. So this was a dangerous project that the, the Jews engaged in. Um, some say that it um, it causes the owners to be become poor. Um, right? As it says that uh, Rashi says that the, ultimately, right? The Jew, the Mitzrayim um, were. The Jewish people took all the riches of Mitzrayim when they left. So they, uh, it was sort of a bad financial decision because they lost all their money as a result. Instead of merely paying for labor, um, the Jewish people ended up, uh, instead of merely, yeah, instead of the Mitzrayim merely paying the cost of labor, they ended up losing much more than that because the Jewish people took all of their um, possessions as well, all their gold and silver. During Maka's Klesha. Amar Mar, so Rav says, Kala Isaac Binyan, Mismaskin. Right? Says there's a general idea, there's general like saying that anyone who ends up, um, he ends up that uh, anyone who engages in construction 
ends up poor. It's just a poor financial decision. As Pisa Miss Ramses, it says they built Pisa and Ramses. Rabu Shmuel. Chad Amar Pisam Shema, Veloman Ekra Shema Ramses, Sherisha and Risha Mistresis. The one says it's, it's re- the real name. It's really one place. Pisam and Ramses, they're the same place. But Pisam is the real name. And the reason why it's called Ramses is because it would slowly crumble to the ground, right? It was kind of built on like quicksand and, uh, or, you know, some sort of unstable ground. And it would really, as soon as they built it, it would sink back into the ground. And one says its real name was right? That like one by one, the the uh, earth would open up and swallow it. Right. So they're both really saying the same idea, right? That you know it's A, Pisa and Rasis are the same place, and B, the other name given is given because uh, the land that it was built on was unstable. Uh, but they just disagree on which name is the, you know, just figurative name and which is the real one. Not sure how this fits into what we said before. Are any of these mentioned in that Sikha at Asa? I don't think so, no. Very interesting. So <laughs> I guess we could we could think about that for further for further uh exploration. Study. Exploration <laughs> to, to see if that uh, that fits into that same that paradigm. Um says the Kasheria Anu Isa Kane Yerba Khanyaf, right? Uh, says the Pesach says that when when the um, as much as the Egyptians would afflict the Jewish people, uh, in that same proportion, the Jewish people would increase and multiply. Cain uh, Rabu bepartsu bebaile. It should have said in the past, like if you're telling a story, you would have said right. As much as they uh, afflicted them, so they multiplied, and so they um, sort of. Also became many, right? Became very uh, fruitful and numerous. I should have used the past tense um, instead of the year, but sort of the, the future, a more a predictive tense. Right. So Rishlaka says there was this uh, Hashem is sort of predicting here. It's sort of like in a thought Hashem is kind of interjecting <laughs> into the Torah, into the text of the Torah here. Uh, you know, the Torah is generally written kind of like a third person, like narrator, right? So it's like here, the narration stops and like Hashem kind of pops in and is like, just by the way, spoiler alert, <laughs> as much as the, as the midstream are going to afflict the Jewish people, the Jewish people are going to uh, multiply and increase even more. Oh. It says, um, okay, so moving right along. So it says, but you could do me. So the Egyptians became disgusted by the Jewish people. Right, so they could do the word kutz, that like root can mean disgust. But here we're, we're saying that uh, the word kites can also mean uh, a thorn. So it says the Jewish people appear to the Egyptians like uh, thorns. It was like a thorn in their side, so to speak, right? That's an English expression. Uh, which is, is perhaps related. Um, by a view do Mitzrayim says the Jew, the the Mitzrayim, uh, made the Jews work the parach. So, what does that mean? Rabbi Elazar Amar Beparach, it means with a soft speech, meaning they kind of uh enticed them and manipulated them into working by first using. Uh, very soft, uh, nice uh, language. 
Rabbi Shmuel Bar Nachmani Amar, Rabbi Shmuel Bar Nachmani says, on the contrary, but pricha, that perech here is from the root of like harsh labor, right? By backbreaking labor. Um, so we have rather opposite uh, interpretations here. Like one says that this pasuk is telling us at the beginning there is this illusion of uh, comfort and a friendship. Rabbi Shmuel Bar Nachmani says, no, the word perech is teaching us that it was quite harsh on the contrary. We have another pasuk, right? He, they embittered their lives with harsh work, with bricks and mortar. Uh, at the beginning, it was just with bricks and mortar. Right? At the end, it wasn't just building anymore. It ended up being all of any, you know, all different types of harsh labor. Uh, right, so sorry, we call it a sada, right? All types of labor in the field. Um, okay, the end of that same pasuk says again, it's kalavadasa masher abdu bahem beparach, right? All of the different types of work which they they worked beparach. Right now, before we uh, noted a uh, a, a uh, dispute regarding the translation of the word parach, but here the word parach is mentioned again. All right, so obviously we have to have another definition, right? There can't be, uh, you know, all opinions agree here that the word parach doesn't necessarily, doesn't just mean uh, harsh labor or, you know, uh, nice um, sort of manipulative tone, right? There has, there's another explanation. So Amar Abishmol Bar Nachmini, or Shmuel Bar Nachmini says, Amar Abiyana said, Shahayim achlifen malachas anashim lanashim, umalachas nashim lanashim. They gave um, men work that was traditionally assigned to women, and women, the work traditionally assigned to men. Um, and so, since they were given work that they were unaccustomed to, right, that was, you know, an added um, hardship. And according to the one before, right, we said that Rabbi Elazar before darshan the word perach as perach, as, um, you know, an illusion, uh, illusion of a nice, friendly tone. Here... Uh, he interprets it as precha, as merely backbreaking, backbreaking labor. Rebavira, uh, Darish Rebavira, Rebavira, uh, Darshin, Bischar Nashim said Kanye, Shabahaya, Hashahayu, Baisadar, Negaalu, Yisrael, Mimitzraim. In the merit of the righteous women in that generation, the Jewish people were redeemed from Egypt. So what would they do? What exactly was the nature of their righteous behavior? At the time that they would go to draw water, so Hashem would prepare um, these small fish uh, in their jugs. They would, they would draw water in their pitcher. It would be half water and half fish. So it was kind of like, you know, Two birds and one stone. They got the water and the food for the day in one bell swoop. So they would come home and they'd be able to put up two pots at once, one of water and one of fish. And they would bring it to their husbands who were working in the field. They would 
um, they would wash them and they would, you know, anoint them. They would like smear oils on them and they would give them to eat and drink. The lahen attend to their knees, which is a euphemism for intimacy. Veins fasten between the, by, by the riverbank. Shenamar im tishkevun bein sefasim. Right, says if you will, uh, as you lay between, like, on the riverbank. Or, sorry, it could be the riverbank or also the edge of the field, as it was in this case. It was the edge of, uh, edge of the field. Bishar tishkevun bein sefasim, the merit um, of this um, intimacy, which really led to the procreation and the perpetuation of the Jewish people, um, the Jewish people uh, merited the spoils of Egypt. Shinamar, so the continuation of that same passage from Tehillim, it says, Im tishkafun vein tifasim, kan feyayna nechbacha bekasa. Avrasa kirakrak chars. Right, so the uh, the wings of the dove were gilded with silver. Uh, and her, I guess, another word for wings um, was um, was crested with uh, precious precious stones. The Kevin Shemis Avros, and once they uh, were impregnated by Slavitan, they would go to their homes. The Kevin Shemagias Mama Mylidehan Halchas Bayaldus the Seda. Once the time uh, came for them to give birth, they would go and give birth in the fields, Takas Tapuach, under the apple tree. Right, I woke you underneath the apple tree. Hashem would send angels right from heaven that would um, clean, cleanse, and um, beautify the child. It's just like a midwife um, scrubs and cleans the the a baby. But yeah, um, who led us itach, right? I, I, I birthed you, <laughs> right? Um, on the day that you're born, lokar sarachel b'mayim lerachati lemishi, right? Um, your uh, umbilical cord was not yet cut, and you weren't. Your skin was not yet uh, bathed, right? And Hashem says, "I came, right? I sent my mom came to come and uh, attend to you, attend to the, these newborn children." The, so the Gemara continues, uh, the Malach would give them these two uh, cakes, these two, uh, so I guess like reservoirs, one of oil and one of honey. It says that uh, he, he allowed them to suckle uh, honey from a rock uh, and and uh, oil, uh, from a flintstone. The Kevin Shemakir and Behemothrain bar and Lahargan. So once the Egyptians caught wind of this, this sort of miraculous uh, um, maternity ward in the in the field, they by and Lahargan they came to put an end to this and to kill these newborn children. But Nasalahanis, and so a miracle occurred when Niblan Bakarka and these babies were swallowed inside the earth. Umivi and Shvar and Makarshan al Gaban, and they would bring oxen and plow once they said like can you imagine this like it's so that the, the babies are swallowed on the earth and then the Egyptians, what do the Egyptians do they come and try to plow the earth right to kind of even get the children even once they're buried inside uh right on my back they uh they furrowed they plowed furrows 
um, after the the Egyptians left, right? They would kind of sprout out of the earth like grass. Uh, I made you a numerous like the the growth in the field. And once they grew up, they would come back in flocks to their home. Right, it says that you um, you were multiplied and you grew up um, and you came. So don't read They came in uh, they come in flocks, meaning in large groups. And when Hashem revealed himself on the sea, when the sea was split, these children who had been cared for uh, by these angels that had been benefited from so many of these open miracles, they recognized the Shina first. This is my God, and I will revere him. Just, just to, to take a step back for a second, so we're discussing a lot of sort of like the reward, um, sort of like the merit that these women got um, for what they did, but just a little bit about what their schus was, like what was so great about these women. Um, so, so uh, uh, you know, the commentary say that, you know, the women in, in Mitzrayim, um, they had faith that they were going to come out, as opposed to the, the men who didn't have that faith, which is why... I saw this one idea that, um, like by by as um, Yashir, right? Maisha when he, when Maisha says Shira, he says Ashira. I will sing like in singular, um, because there's a, this idea that a person can only say Shira if they were like the the miracle happened because of them and there's chus. So when Maisha was was singing on behalf of the men, he can only sing in singular because he was the only one who was who was really deserving of you know who who was the one who merited. Um, um, them coming out, but when Miriam sings, it says Shira Lashem, right? Like, like in plural, right? Like she was singing on behalf of you know all the women together because all of them were able to say Shira because it was really in all of their zchus. Um, also, just interesting, like halachically, um, we know this idea. You know, in, in other places in the Gemara, it talks about whether women are obligated in um, arba kaisis, right? In Pesachim, it talks about um, that women are obligated to, to drink the four cups of wine on Pesach. Why? Because afin they were also in the miracle, right? And we have that same idea repeated when it comes to Hanukkah candles. Women are obligated in Hanukkah candles because they were also the part of the miracle, um, and also with with uh, with uh, Purim, right? They were obligated in the of Purim because we are part of that miracle too. So there's different interpretations of what does that mean? Afin One interpretation, Taizui Taisfus explains it, is that it means that they were they were also threatened, right? They were part of the Xera, right? Like with Mitzrayim, they were in God, they were also enslaved, or with um, Hanukkah or Purim, they were also threatened by whatever was going on um so therefore they should also be obligated in the mitzvahs but another interpretation which which the i think rashi and and um Rashbaum gives based on this gemara is that what the gemara says here um right bishut. Uh, it was a root, the they're coming out of a time was reward for the righteous woman. Meaning, when the Gemara says that, it doesn't just mean that they were they were also threatened and therefore they were also, you know, benefited from the miracle, but they were also actually the reason why the miracle happened. So for sure, they should be obligated in the mitzvahs, and that's true. So we learn from our Gemara that that's true about Pesach that. The women were the reason why we came out of Mitzrayim. And we said also with Hanukkah and Purim, right? With Purim, Esther was the reason why the, she was sort of the facilitator of the miracle of Purim. And with Hanukkah, we have the story of Yehudis. Um, 
so we see in all these examples, right? This one interpretation of Atin Hayubeisahanes is that it doesn't just mean that women are obligated in these mitzvahs because they, you know, were also along with the men were also um, threatened and therefore saved by the miracle, but they were actually the facilitators of the miracle. So anyway. Mm. Right. I feel like that's so important because like the word off can sometimes, I guess you can see it as like, oh, like they also, you know, like, that's why, does. That's why Tysphus, you know, reads it differently for that reason. Because it says off sounds like in addition to, you know, um, right. But, but yeah, different ways. I guess the Rush Bomb's perspective is more like, you know, that doesn't addition, like they're really the center, very central to this. Uh, exactly. To the story. Okay, so uh, now we're going to move from here into a different uh, section of the story. We're going to focus in on the the uh, the portion of the story where uh, Parai, you know, devises this plan to kill every firstborn Jewish male, and he instructs the midwives, the Jewish midwives, to aid him in this process. So, by mouth, the style of Mialdis to Ivarius, or Hashem, the sorry, the king of Egypt, uh, speaks or tells the um, midwives of the Jews. Uh, so, it, it's funny because I think when we read the Pesach, we think automatically, like, oh, it's Yochavid and um, and Miriam, but it's not what it says in the Pesach. It just says the Jewish midwives, or the really the midwives, which tended to the Jewish people. So Rabu Shmuel, so Rabu Shmuel have a dispute regarding who these women actually were. Chad Amar Isha Uvita, so one says it was a woman and her daughter. Bechad Amar Kala and another says it was a mother-in-law and daughter-in-law duo. Mon de Amar Isha Uvita, Yuchav de Miriam. One who says it was a, a mother and daughter, that it was Yochabed The one who says it was a mother-in-law and daughter-in-law, it was Yochabed and Elisheva, who was um, who was Aaron's wife. Tanya commands Amar Ishovita. So there's a Brisa, which is in accordance with the one who says it was a woman and her daughter, Datania Shifra Zuyochavad, Velama Nikar Shema Shifra, Shemeshap Harris is the Vlad. So the Brisa says that Shifra is, in fact, Yochavad. So why was her name Shifra? Because she beautified the child and scrubbed him clean after birth. Devar Achar, Shifra, Shapar Rav Yisrael, Biameha. Another explanation for Shifra is that the Jewish people were fruitful and multiplied in her days. Pua Zumir, Velama Shnikar Shema Pua, Shahisa Pua, Umitsia Sevlad. So why was her name Pua? Pua is Miriam, and her name Pua was because she would used to coo uh, to the child uh, as it uh, was born, um, to soothe the child as it was born. Another explanation for the word Pua is that she was endowed with Ruach HaKadosh, the Imeris, and she said, She predicted prophetically that her mother would give birth to the savior of the Jewish people, which was Maisha Vayemar. So Maisha tells, uh, uh, Maisha, not Maisha, Parai tells these midwives, right, when you uh, help the Jewish women birth, right, you should, uh, and it says when the Jewish women are on the birth stone, right, you should kill every male child. So Maya, what does it mean, the birth stone? And he gave them sort of a sign to ascertain whether or not, uh, to ascertain when the woman is actually giving birth. Close to the time when the woman is actually able to give birth, her thighs 
grow cold like stones. There's those who explain it differently that um, it says in Yirmiyahu, right? He has this vision of going to this potter's ho- uh, you know, shop and he sees the potter doing his work on the stone. Um, and so the image is, So the image of a potter, the position that he, he creates the pot in, where he has this sort of the stone in front of him and one um, leg on either side. So that's the same position in which a woman crouches to give birth, right? One leg on either side, and the, the child emerges from in between. So it says that if it's a son, that Pari tells the midwives, if it's a son, you should uh, kill the child. So Rechina said, So he gave them sort of a sign to ascertain whether or not the, the gender of the child, Ben Panablamata, Bas Panalamala, a son would have their um the the face facing downward, and the a girl would have the face facing upward. But Tiran Hamialdis until it came, it says the midwives feared God and they did not listen, right? Below and they did not do what Pari said to them. Lahen Nabile. So it should have said. What Pari said, lahen, alehen means towards them. It's not really the right word for what happened. So Amar Biosi Barchanina, Biosi Barchanina said, So this kind of, the word alehen insinuates that he tried to uh, seduce them, right? For uh, uh, sin, and they did not uh, listen. Um, but to, we see other places in the Shanaq that also the word um, alehen Right, or Vayava Elaha is used for um, intimacy, right? Um, that word is def- is used a lot, so it has that connotation. But so it says that they um, ha- made the children live. Um, it's not just Mihamisu, it's not enough that they didn't kill the children. They actively um, kept them alive, right? And they supplied food and water. Um, but Tamara Yalis Alpari, like Haneshim, uh, right? So the so I'll just read the full passage. Like Haneshim Hamitres Haivrias, right? Kikayatina, Baterim Tavayalam Yalis Vayadu. So so the it says the um the midwives told Pari, the Jewish women, they said we can't do what you asked for, and they gave an excuse. They said, Oh, the Jewish women are not like the Egyptian women, right? They are chayos, right? We'll explain, we'll interpret what that means. Before we even come to them, they have already given birth. They don't even need our help. So what does this word chayos mean? My chayos, maybe it means what chayos generally means, which means uh, midwife. Um, So is that true? Even if you're a midwife, a midwife needs another midwife to help them give birth. You can't generally, you need another person's help, even if you could yourself help another woman. Um, they said this nation is compared to animals. Yehuda Gorare, right? Says that Yehuda is compared to a lion. He done, Nachash done is compared to a snake. Naphtalia Yalashlucha, Naphtalia is compared to a, a deer. Yisachar Chamor. Gara, Yosefer is compared to a donkey. Yosef Bechor Shor, Yosef is compared to a firstborn ox. Binyamin Ze'ev Yitro, Binyamin is uh, compared to this um, hungry uh, wolf. 
and right? There are many Shvatim uh, where it's explicitly written, an animal uh, symbol is explicitly like attached to them. Ma imich levi benarais repsa like and there's certain there are some shvatim where no animal is mentioned in connection to them but there's a general pasuk about the entire Jewish people which says uh, compares the Jewish people to a lion right it says that your mother is like a lioness among the lions right so uh, we see the entire Jewish people are generically compared to a lion by he kiyaramiyadis is like him by yaslahem batim. It says the the midwives feared Hashem, right, and they did the right thing and they kept the children alive, and so Hashem made them houses. This is a very ambiguous term, but it's by yaslahem batim. Mean so Rabu Shmua, Rabu Shmuelchad Amar Batikahuna Bolivia. So one says it was Batikahuna Bolivia, uh, like meaning Kahanim and Liam descended from them. Bchad Amar Batimalchus. So one says it was the house of kingship. So one who says it was houses of Kahanim and Leviim, right? The Kahanim and Leviim descended from them. Well, that's a real rather obvious connection, right? Aaron and Maisha come from Yochavid. Right? The one who says that kings descended from them and merited this, David Hamelech actually descends from Miriam. It says Azuba, the wife of Caleb. Uh, dies, but you cut like how it's Ephras. It says Ephras took uh, took this new woman named Ephras as a wife. Um, we're gonna see later tomorrow, we'll see that this is a reference to Miriam, but Taylor Lo S. Hor and she gave birth to Hor. Uksiba David Ben Ish Ephrasi the Geimer. It says that David was the uh, son of a man from Ephras, being descended from this. Ephras, who is Miriam. Tomorrow, we'll stop here for now, but tomorrow we will analyze these, this idea, this second more, and the relationship, why Miriam indeed was given this new name, Ephras. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.